Hi, I'm Nancy Pearl. I'm Steve Scher. And this is That Stack of Books. The books we're reading and talking about edition. Yes. Uh, um, the books that Steve and I are reading and talking about edition. Yes. And uh, in part, it stems from a, a conversation I had with an author, uh, a local author, Abby Rolnick, who wrote a book, Cocoon with Cancer. And that got us thinking about all the pretty, I guess it's fair to say, some amazing local authors are putting out some amazing books this year. Yeah, there are some books that are out already and some books that we can look forward to um, coming out in, in uh, March and beyond. So the book that I've been reading, the book that I just finished that is out already, and it's a stunner. It's absolutely, it's just amazing. And Steve, I think you would like this book a lot. It's by Matt Ruff. And it's called um, Lovecraft Country. Now, I do not read Lovecraft. You don't read your H.P. Lovecraft? I do not because they're too creepy. And I'm not a fan of creep. <laughs> yeah, I'm I with mean, you. you know, I can read Stephen King horror, some, not, not the awful ones, but some of them. But, I, but creepiness just gets to me. And I, I, I don't want to encounter it. I mean, the real world for me is scary enough. The but real world is very scary. Yeah. I had a long conversation about who was going to be elected president today. Yes. And uh, that was scary. Yes, it is. It is. The fact and, that Americans seem to be attracted to somebody who's a bully and a blowhard is quite And bombastic and yeah. a fascist. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And has no morals whatsoever. I wonder if Donald Trump reads. Well, he probably reads his own book. Yeah, over and over yeah. again. I am incredible. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great book. <laughs> Who wrote this book? Oh, I did, of right. course. <laughs> um, but but let's not. My lack of reading Lovecraft, H.P. Lovecraft, it, what, did not deter my huge enjoyment of Matt Ruff's very ambitious and just pretty pretty amazing novel so the thing with this novel is that it's I find that it's impossible to summarize so this is a book set um, in the 1950s when African Americans were not accorded the same rights that white Americans are and the main characters are primarily um, a family of African Americans um, one of one of whom uh, has a guidebook series uh, about safe places for African Americans to stay around the around the country. So a necessary guidebook, which yes. based a little bit on truth, right? Totally, yeah. totally, based on a real book and a real series. So it starts out as a very realistic novel. You you know the first scene in the book is this young black man being stopped by a white patrolman, uh, a white policeman, and being told basically to be out of, out of the county by, um, by sundown. And so you're sort of lulled into this, oh, this is going to be, you know, a story, this is going to be a novel that's going to really um, uh, make us think about the past and how much we've come forward or not come forward. And then... It morphs very slowly, slowly enough so that you're sucked into it before you know it, into into horror, into Lovecraftian horror. And but racism is at the is at the root of that horror. It, 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 racism is not at the root of that horror. Power is. Ah. But it turns out that in this in these 
covens of um, sorcerers who are trying to gain power over one another, the only living, um, the only living true heir of one of the major sorcerers is a man whose mother was um, a slave and whose father was her owner. And he, nobody knew this. I mean, they, they you know, the, the mother's background was always just this huge, a, a, a huge mystery. So as it morphs into horror, there's some, it morphs as well into science fiction. And always sort of underneath it all is a mystery. Like, are they going to defeat the evil that's coming up, that's trying to engulf them. I mean, it does all of those things. I, I, I'm a huge Matt Ruff fan because I, I think that he, he just has these amazing concepts, these amazing ideas. He wrote his, his previous book, which I also highly recommend, is called The Mirage. And it's, it's the story of what would have happened had the United States... It's looking at 9-11 through a, a mirror. And so what would have happened if the United States had flown planes into the two of the largest, tallest buildings in the Middle East? And how that would all play out. So I, I think Matt Ruff just does amazing things in his novels, particularly these last two. He's been around for a, a while. Yeah. I had not read his work. You, I, I think, and he's he, a local a he, Northwesterner. He huh? is. He lives in Seattle. So I think, Steve, I think you should read oh, I'll check it out. both. I think you need to read the Mirage because it's so. I mean, they're clever, but they're not clever in a flippant sort of way. They're clever that he's able to take where we are and turn it into something deeper and more meaningful. Yeah, it's very profound. Yeah. You know that also so that would be a good book for me to read to gear up for the show we've talked about doing with with some of the folks around our table which is the the alternative histories. Yes. Uh yes. Books. Yes. That sounds great. Yeah. Yes. And then because you have this big trip coming up. Yeah. To the south, I think that you would really enjoy Lovecraft Country. Oh, I think I'll read as it well. That sounds yeah. great. Yeah. I will read that, but I also I'm gearing up to read cuz I'm going to have a conversation um with Steve Olson at uh, Town Hall on March 7th. The eruption, the untold story of Mount St. Helens. He's another Northwest writer, and, and this is nonfiction. This is about, well, he's just, he, he has gone back to look at the people who died on Mount St. Helens, right. and why did they, why were they there? Yeah. Why did they decide to spend their time there? It's not just Harry Truman, but a lot of people were doing right. work there and around there. Right. Looking forward to that. You know, we, I, I was struck by something today, and maybe I just was sort of, um, you know, taken in by my surroundings, but uh, uh, Harcourt Har- it was it was Harcourt Brace, right? Harcourt Brace, Jovanovich, HBJ, yeah. I guess. Uh, the publisher decided to have a, a little event at the Dahlia Lounge, which is such a cool place, yeah, one of Tom Douglas's restaurants, because they noticed that they had a number of Northwest writers coming out with new books this year, and what I was struck by was we really are a. a kind of remarkable bastion. I mean, I know there are many places like that, but we, 
We're very, it's, we're very fortunate. Do you think we're the Brooklyn of the West, or is Brooklyn the Seattle of I, the I'm, East? I'm saying Brooklyn's the Seattle of the East, Nancy. <laughs> I'm going there. So among, so among the authors that were there was Timothy Egan. Yes. The and New York Times writer and, and a novelist and nonfiction writer. Right, and who, who I, I always look forward to his op-eds in the New York Times. They're so smart. Yes. And Well, we sat at the same table, and, and much of the discussion was about is Donald Trump successful because he's appealing to baser instincts and being a bully and saying things that people want to hear and people think it's the truth? Is he successful because he was a TV star and in, in the celebrity-drenched right. America, that's that's so cool. And there is this, as Tim Egan was saying, there is this uh, look at the polls which show that there are voters this time around who have not voted before. Right. You know, 50% of the people don't vote. He's right. motivating those people to come out and vote. Yeah, that's that's why my head is in the sand and I'm being an ostrich. Well, what's interesting is that his book is called The Immortal Irishman, The Irish Revolutionary Who Became an American Hero. And the the story is about this this um, he was uh, he was going to be he was going to be killed by the queen. He was leading the uprising after the famine in Ireland. He was sent to Tasmania. Uh, he was a pretty amazing orator and he ends up um, coming to America, and uh, there was the, who, where were the Irish going to side? Were the Irish going to be on in terms of the Civil War? Because you know there was this nativist push that said, "Well, the Irish should join with the South because they don't. The blacks are taking their jobs." And then there was this other counter narrative which said, "We're going to fight and give our blood for this nation, and then we will be accepted because the Irish were treated so poorly." And Thomas Francis Meagher. He, he was the leader, and he got the Irish to work with the Union. And, and Lincoln, knowing that he had to get the Irish on his side, uh, appointed them. You could appoint generals. He was a political oh, appointee really? as a general. Yeah, and, of course, they were confronting this, the native, the know-nothing party, that nativist right. party that was just there because they hated the Irish and wanted to push the Irish back out of America. Parallels to yeah, today. Right, yes? right. So that's what Tim Egan was talking about. So it sounds like a great book, and he tells the whole story of this guy. The guy ends up being the territorial governor of Montana. Well, I mean, Tim Egan can't tell a bad story. I mean, his no. his works of nonfiction, when you and I were together on um, uh, Civic Cocktail, and um, you know, I got asked what are the best books about the Pacific Northwest. I, I mean, you know, The Good Rain is now probably 20 years old. Yeah, after you said that, I went back and pulled it off the shelf and reread a little bit of it because uh-huh. it is a great book. It is. It is. But even when he moves farther afield than the Pacific Northwest, The Worst Hard Time, yep. which I just pulled off the shelf and, yep. and think maybe it's time for me to reread that. I mean, I, he's just an amazing, yeah. amazingly wonderful writer. Yeah. He is, and of course, and then it shows in his work on the New York Times, yes, too. Yes, right, and he's a right-thinking writer, a yeah. correct-thinking <laughs> writer. Right. For us. For us, <laughs> right. But uh, then, you know who else has a new book coming out this spring is um, one of my favorite writers, and actually one of, the, one of my favorite people is uh, Jim Lynch. And my, many people, when you say to somebody, what's your favorite Jim Lynch book, and he has a lot of fans. Um, they'll, they'll, many of them will say The Highest Tide, which is um, a book that, that high schoolers and adults, I think, both have really I've enjoyed. 
Oh well, that's another his, book to read. Well, and it's it's natural. It's you it know natural it's history, natural right? history. Which well, maybe that's not right. Maybe I have read that book. That's right. Okay. And then he and then the, his book afterwards, I read too. The the border songs. So the b- border songs. No, okay, one. so b- border songs is is I think, of of his first three books, border songs is my favorite. I think because of its quirk factor, and it's about very quirky people and pot dealing. Um, I, on the border between Canada and, and the U.S. and, the US. Right. and, a, and right. a very you know lovely lovely quirky family. I I, I just loved Border Songs. A couple of years ago, he came out with Truth Like the Sun, uh, the story of building the Space Needle for the um, what? The, it's not the World's Fair, was yeah. it? The, wor- yeah, the was World's called Fair. the World's yeah, Fair. Yeah, yeah. Okay, for the World's Fair in 1962. Yeah. That's what that I was, was going to say. That was a very that was a quirky book too. It was quirky, but it was but fun. It was, it was, it was na- the, the narration. I mean, the yeah, structure of it. Right, right. And he did so much research for that. I remember hearing him talk about um, all the research he did at the University of Washington. And um, but his new book, Before the Wind, is another. I heard an I heard him read an excerpt of this last year, and it is just. I am so looking forward to reading it. I, I it's going to be. I know one of the high points of my spring reading. So we are so lucky, I think, in 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 Seattle, in the Pacific Northwest, to have these writers. Yeah, it's amazing. Why is that? What is it? Is it just because we live in a great country? You know, the, the surroundings. Is it because we're just in a bubble and really every region has great writers? I don't know. Stephanie Kalos. You, yeah. you know her. You've talked yeah, to her. Stevie, and her yeah, Stevie Kalos is Stevie. how she... Yeah. She likes to be Stevie Kalos? Stevie Kalos. Okay. Um, and I interviewed her for Booklist um, uh, several years ago. And and she has a new book called... Liter- she has a new book in paperback. It's just, it just was published a year ago, so it's now out in paperback, called Literary Arts. And, and she's somebody who really writes um, terrific uh, character-driven fiction... And if you can find an essay by her that she wrote about rewriting, revising um, second and third and fourth and fifth drafts, that is worth reading as well. She also handed out at this event um, a number of um, necklaces that were made out of beads and words and letters that you could put together into words. So that was fun, a game, a game we could play while we were waiting for our food to come. (laughs) As well, well, it's interesting that there are so many, there are so many people to think of, and so many writers to think of in the Northwest. That's just a few. I know, I know. We could have gone on for another, another show or two, and maybe we will later. Maybe we will. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you, Steve. Hey, you can find us by the way. You know, you can find us on Twitter at that stack. Yes. And also, you can follow Nancy at Nancy underscore Pearl. You can follow me at at Stephen underscore Share. Stephen with a V. Yeah, with a V. Yeah. And where else are we? Facebook. Facebook. And now we're on um, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iTunes, our own homepage, that's stackofbooks.com. And Google is now putting out podcasts. So oh. we'll, be, we're, we'll be with them when they launch. So many ways to find us. We're here. <laughs>